Hello and welcome back to It's a Musical Podcast, the podcast show where I force my boyfriend to watch musicals and we talk about them. I'm Danny. And I'm Drew. And today we are talking about Into the Woods, the 2014 Disney movie version. Ah, it's only a year off. I was trying to guess what year it was uh, released and I put down 2013. So, uh, not bad. Nice. So, I... I've seen this, obviously, and you haven't. Nope. I saw this when it came out on my birthday. It was released for Christmas, so it was released on the 24th of December, and I saw it in January, which is when my birthday is. And I forced my family to go and see it with me. So I'm not the first person you forced to watch this musical? No. That was, it was my birthday present, was that we would all go and see Into the Woods. Okay. In the cinema, not even the theatre. So trip. not in the woods? Not in the woods. That would be cool, though. It would be a really cool experience, like a secret cinema into the woods torch. Into the woods. woods. Yeah. Okay, so it's a Stephen Sondheim and James the Pine musical based on fairy tales. Yeah, based on fairy tales. And I kind of know that much about it, that it starts off very traditional, but then I think the stories kind of twist and get reimagined somehow. I'm not sure how. I feel like the first half of the musical, from what I've heard, the first half of the musical is kind of standard fairy tale fair and then it's halfway and it's oh wow everything's different yeah that's what i know okay <laughs> cool so do you fairy tales are included in the musical i don't know all of them i wrote down five that i'm pretty certain are involved okay um i've got red riding hood because i know that johnny depp plays the big bad wolf mm-hmm. um i've got hansel and gretel because mel street plays a witch okay I feel like there's a witch in a lot of me. There's a lot of witch in a lot of them, but I feel like I, you know, she's possibly Mother Gothel or whatever the original version of that is. Rapunzel's mum. Yeah, Rapunzel's mum. Right. She could be that witch, but she could be multiple witches. So I thought that might be the reimagining is that she's multiple witches from all these different stories. Okay. Um, I know that Rapunzel's in it. I think Rapunzel's in it because James Corden plays the Miller, and I think that because uh, he steals a flower or something. Sure. Or a cabbage. From a witch. Right. That then helps get him Rapunzel, helps him and his wife you're, conceive. So you're talking about this, the story of Rapunzel, the actual fairy tale of Rapunzel. Yeah. Okay. So I'm thinking, like, this happens. I know Anna Kendrick plays Cinderella. Mm-hmm. So Cinderella's got to be in it. And I feel like I remember seeing promotional material. I had, like, Beanstalks. Yep. So Jack and the Beanstalk must be in it. Those mm-hmm. are the ones I've got. Okay. Um, I know... Four or five of the cast members. So we've got Meryl Streep, we've got Anna Kendrick, Johnny Depp, James Corden, Emily Blunt. Yeah, Emily Blunt. Before she was Mary Poppins was in this. Yeah. Uh, so it's quite an all-star cast. Yeah, it's a big all-star cast. Especially with people that you wouldn't think would sing, or characters that sing very well. I have the cast list in front of me. Well, I mean, I know that the, the names that I've said can sing, like Anna Kendrick's Great in Pitch Perfect, Mel Streep's in Mamma Mia. Mm. Um, Anna Kendrick has a Broadway background. Well, Anna Kendrick is a phenomenal singer. Um, Johnny Depp is great in his other Sondheim production of Sweeney Todd. Is he? I love him in Sweeney Todd. <laughs> and James Corden was, you know, a very accomplished singer. Um, before this, and then went on to play Buster for Jones. Sure. Carpool <laughs> karaoke, I yeah. mean. Um, and Emily Blunt is, is Mary Poppins, mm. so she must be a good singer to be able to pull off Mary Poppins. Emily Blunt's a very good singer. So, Into the Woods, 
debuted at the Old Globe Theatre in San Diego in 1986 and then moved to Broadway of November that year. Um, won a bunch of Tony Awards in the 87 Tony Awards, Best Score, Best Book and Best Actress. It's already a lot more successful than Joseph. Yes, yeah, already a lot more successful than Joseph. It's had six, oh, seven revivals since that original one. Cool. Uh, two of which are in the West End. One went to New York Shakespeare in the Park. Do you know what that yeah. is? Yeah. Um, they performed Shakespeare in a Park. Sure. But they do a lot of musicals there as yes. well. And the Into the Woods musical that they did Shakespeare in the Park style was amazing. Because the set that they built for it, obviously you're already in the woods. So, sort of the woods, <laughs> I guess. As much as Central Park can be the woods. But the set that they built from it looked like it was made out of trees. Yeah. And all like woven together to make platforms and things. Cool. Sun on. It was very, very well done. And the costumes for it were like steampunk esque Interesting. style. So then the last revival of it was in that New York one was in 2012. And so then just before the movie. Just before the movie. And then Disney brought out their film in 2014. And it made. Do you want to guess actually at how much money it made? Um, I'm going to guess like 650 million. That's high, actually. It's 213 million. Oh, that's quite low for Disney. And mm. I feel really bad that I overguessed it and completely overshot it, yeah. considering I've talked media studies before. But, <laughs> um, well, their budget for making the film was 50 million. So a really good profit, as it was. Yeah, more than doubled. So, and then they got three Academy Award nominations and three Golden Globe Best nominations. Best song. Best costume, best audio. A lot of costume design, yeah. which we are going to talk about once you've seen the film. Because I am obsessed with the costume design in this show. It's phenomenal. Stage show has 29 songs. There were 23 originally, and then they added a couple in. But actually some songs in the show that people are singing in, there are 29 songs. So do all 29 make it in the film? No. There are only 20 songs in the film. So they've actually cut three of the originals. So. Yeah. Okay. I do know, I mean, we touched on it at the end of Joseph. Um, I do know that this was um, filmed with a live orchestra performing it. Mm -hmm. So the sound is kind of a lot better. The scene's a lot better as a result of having people to bounce off of. Yeah. Um, am I right in thinking that Sondheim was very involved in the production as well? Yeah. So film... Going down from 29 songs to 20 songs. That's big. That's a lot cut. Yeah. Some of them are reprises, but not all of them. There are some songs that have just been completely cut. Sondheim wrote two new songs to yeah. the film. And they were both cut before the film was released. Okay. Um, but he approved all of the changes. He approved all of the changes and conducted and was there for all the singing rehearsals so it's all gone through Sondheim and James the Pine to get to the film point. Which I think is really cool because even though you know with an adaptation like this time constraints are different you know you've got um, the issue of cinemas this isn't the same as being able to get an audience to come into a theatre you know that there's going to be cuts you know that there's going to be songs that you know don't necessarily make it mm. so that's really awesome that he was involved and actually had that say in which songs made it which songs didn't make it makes me feel like this is going to be an adaptation that he would be proud of to have yeah. his name attached to so some of the changes some of the song changes change the story of the musical oh really yeah 
Um, and that's something we'll talk about when we talk about people's reviews of it, when yeah. you've seen it. But it does heavily change the tone. So are there characters that are cut or...? Uh, yes, some. And there's whole, the whole stories change or is it just minor stories change? Or is it secondary characters' stories that change? So there is one major character that is changed and one major character who's cut. He's not in the film. Oh, wow. That... That would be interesting to know about. Yeah. There's one plot line, or sort of the one result of a plot line that's gone entirely, and there's a bunch of deaths that are gone. Oh. Because it's a Disney movie. I can imagine then that reviews are going to be quite negative instantly because fans of the Broadway show would go see this really excited and then come out disappointed. Maybe that's why it doesn't make as much as I thought it would have because poor word of mouth that people... Yeah, and I'm trying know. really hard not to to be as vague as possible. No, that's cool because you can tell me after we've seen it, you know, guess which characters die or, yeah. you know, um, which plot lines don't kind of fit. Yeah. Um, is it obvious that the plot lines don't? Things. No, I think as a standalone movie, it is very good. It tells the story that they're going for with sort of Disney interjecting their hope and happiness. So a lot of these characters have had Disney films, yeah. Disney adaptations, so Cinderella and mm. Rapunzel, if, if Rapunzel's in it. I know Cinderella is, but if Rapunzel's in it. Are they very much the Disney versions of these characters, no. or are they the Grimm's original version of They're these? the fairy tale versions of these characters, including, so you have Cinderella and her stepmother and the stepsisters, and they're the, the fairy tale versions, they're not the Disney versions. Okay, cool. So this isn't, you know, Once Upon a Time, where a lot of it is very Disney-influenced, whereas still having maybe the Grimm's attached it this is very much the fairy tale versions yeah. and fairy tale versions only yeah and that's definitely what they were going for as well is trying to get them as fairy tale and as real and gritty as possible cool. like the fairy tales are awesome. so you know who a couple of the cast are yes. Meryl Streep interestingly enough was not going to be in this film oh really yeah because she as when she turned 40 she had a rule that she was never going to play a witch. Because, because she witches said, are older roles. Yeah. She said that women, after the age of 40, women play mothers, witches, and crones, which is true. Yeah. Um, I think in Hollywood, that is how casting goes, unfortunately. It is. One of the ones I remember is um, The Other Woman with Cameron Diaz. And she's still a leading lady, but you can see it's not a leading lady that she would have been during the 90s. Yeah. And it's a real double standard. Is that the one with the guy from Game of Thrones in it? I have no idea who the man is. I know that it's got um, Kate Upton. It's her and... Two other women. Two other women, yeah. It's it's Jamie Lannister. Oh, is it Jamie guy? Lannister? Yeah. the guy in it. Um, I, I remember seeing it in cinema. Um but it, it, it's very much it's a double standard of women in Hollywood. That, mm. You know, you have people like George Clooney who, as they age, they still get to play the leading man role, whereas... And still get a leading lady who's uh, in her 20s. Yes, and, and then you have women in Hollywood mm. have to become mothers. Yeah. Julia Roberts, for instance, you know, you don't see her so much as the leading lady nowadays. She is 
playing mothers. She was in Wonder, and she did a fantastic job in it. Still is a fantastic actress. Is that Julia Roberts? Yeah. I haven't seen that film. Um, but it's her and Owen Wilson. Yes. Yeah. Um, very good film. So, so Meryl Streep was very against going for this yes. originally. Yes, and the reason that she did agree to be in this is because when she was at university, she was in a Stephen Sondheim musical, and she fell absolutely in love with his musicals and his storytelling, and Into the Woods is a very, very good advocate for having an older female character. I feel so bad saying older female character, because she, she's 40. Yeah. That isn't old by any means. But having an older female character who is still complex and has wants and loves and feelings and expresses them in a very strong way throughout the show. Cool. That's good. Um, so I'm trying to think timeline. She's done Mamma Mia at this point. Yeah. Um. She must have just been hot off the Iron Lady, the one where she won the Oscar for, for playing um, Maggie Thatcher. Mm. So she's kind of still, at this point, a very, well, it is Meryl Streep, she's always going to be a well-respected, but she's still... Yeah. But at this point, she is playing older female older characters. Mum and me, she's a mother. Yeah. And by the second one, she would be a grandmother, which age-wise, that's she's a going up there. And then... Iron Lady, she's Margaret Thatcher, who was an older woman. Yeah. And then she goes back to being a witch. And I think if you look at her and Iron Lady compared to this, there is a big glamour difference. Oh, really? And I know she's playing a real person in oh, the yeah. Iron Lady, but like she's Meryl Streep in Into the Woods, and it's amazing. So it's we're, like we're getting more Meryl Devil Wears Prada than. Yeah. Which is cool. I do like the Devil Wears Prada. The other person I want to talk about. Is Emily Blunt in the Devil Wears Prada as well? Yes, she is. And we love her. We do love her. I love the Devil Wears Prada. So there's Devil no Anne Hathaway in this. We don't have. Um, no, sadly. Any... I wish we could have all three of them again. It'd be That'd really be good, like That'd Devil Wears Prada kind of throwback. Crossover. Um, the other cast member I want to talk about is Johnny Depp. Yes. I don't particularly care for him as an actor. I'm not going to go into the controversy around him at all. No, but... but I'm a big fan of Johnny Depp. Yeah, and you like Pirates of the Caribbean and that? Love Pirates of the Caribbean. I really like um, Edward Scissorhands. Mm-hmm. Um, big fan of um, From Hell. Haven't seen it. It's early 2000s film with Johnny Depp. Um, I really like him in in Sweeney Todd yeah I like him in Sweeney Todd absolutely adore Sweeney Todd um there's loads of Johnny Depp films that I could list Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas is one I really like um so do you know how much his price is to play a character in a film it's a lot and I also no how much do you think it is like actual numbers wise how much do you think he did what did Robert Downey Jr. get for doing Iron Man in Endgame. It was like 80 million. It's a stupid amount of money. It was a stupid yeah. amount. So it can't be Endgame. It's not money. more than that. I'm going to guess he probably got 10 million here. No, how much did he ask? Is ask. what I'm asking you. Yeah. What's his asking price? Uh, this point. In his career. I'm going to guess 50 million. No, actually, that's high. So he's. I'm usually even guessing the numbers here. For a starring role, yeah. he asked 20 million. Okay. Straight up, and they couldn't afford to give him that. Their their budget's fifty million for this film. Yeah, that's they can't pay him twenty million to be in this movie. But he's not. In he's the not movie starring much. Role. No, so 
as a favour to the director, he agreed to be in this film for one million pounds. Which is uh, dollars, awesome. sorry. See, this is it. I like Johnny However, Depp. He's a good guy. They wanted to cast him as a main character. They wanted him to be James Corden. Oh, really? Yeah. Which would have been very strange casting, and we can talk about that when you've seen it. But well, because Emily Blunt plays James Corden's wife. Yeah. So... Can you imagine Emily Blunt? As well, that's the thing. James is Depp's it's, wife. That's the thing. Is it's it age-wise doesn't work, and it's that double standard again of kind of older leading man. Yeah. Um, Super weird. But, yeah, it was a favour to the director that he was in this film at all, and I think they cast him perfectly. You will see why. Because he's more of a villain in this one, yeah. which is a rare Johnny Depp move. You don't get him being the villain often. You keep saying the director because you refuse to tell me who the director yeah. is. You told me, and I don't do any research. I literally spend 10, 15 mm-hmm. minutes writing down what I know about it. I don't go and do extensive research like you do. I rock up. The, you know, with Joseph, I had maybe two pages of notes. With this, I have one page of notes. I yeah. don't know much about this. Compared to my six pages of notes for this. So part. you said to me, don't find out who the director is. I've got no idea who the director yeah. is. And I was trying to think about names that it might be. And it makes me really, really interested you saying it's a favour. So it's not Tim Burton. I'm not telling you. Because I want you to try and figure it out based on the look of the film. Based on its aesthetic. Because you saying the whole it's a favour instantly makes you think Tim Burton, Johnny Depp. I wouldn't think that, that he would do him a favour, though. But Because Tim Burton would have the money to be like, here's your money. Yeah, but based on their working relationship, you know, the fact that they've been in so many frequent collaborations with one another. Mm. And obviously Tim Burton as well did Sweeney Todd's, which yeah. is another Sondheim. I don't know. Um, I was thinking at one point, I can't... I, I can't tell you why his name cropped up, and I doubt it because I think timeline-wise he'd have been busy with um, Twilight slash Prep for Beauty and the Beast. Yeah. But Bill Condon. No, it's not him. It's not him. Because I know that he's got a history of kind of, um, mu- he, you know, uh, dance numbers, mm. so possible musical theatre. Yeah. Just trying to think of who Johnny Depp has connections with. You can think about it while we're watching. The yes, film. definitely. I'm gonna gonna try and figure out who this director is before you tell me. Yeah. Uh, so, do you have any last thoughts before we just go and watch this film? I know that it's long. It's really long. How long is it? So, I thought because it was long, it would be a, a fully faithful adaptation. It almost is. But with nine songs being cut, that makes me wonder, like, how much they've actually missed out on. You know, um, how much, yeah, how much uh, uh, content have they? So is it similar in running time to the Broadway show? The film is 124 minutes. Yeah, so which, two hours. Yeah. Okay, so you're probably losing about half hour. Yeah. Okay. And, so, and an interval. Yeah. But you, so the one thing I will tell you before we watch the film is that you can feel the interval in the movie. Oh, really? You know you when can, this You know exactly the when the interval where the curtains close. Yeah. Oh, do they do a fun little trick where like they do something with the scene that makes you feel like this is the curtains pulling? No. Oh, I, I don't think so. I, I really love it when things do that. You know, so for instance, Moulin Rouge, when they have the opening with the conductor. Yeah. There's a really good bit in the Scrubs musical episode where <laughs> at the half halfway through the episode, like, they pull the curtains of the Gurney across. Oh, around the bed. Around the bed to make you feel it's the curtains closed and then they open up at the second, after the advert break and I love it when musicals do something like that. Yeah. I think the reason that I 
really remember in the cinema feeling like it was the interval is because my dad said, oh, okay, cool, is this the end now? And so is this the where interval. the twist kind of moment comes, that you feel everything's kind of wrapped up and then yeah. something more happens? Okay, cool. Yeah, I, I mean, think I'm excited enough. to watch this one. Um, it's one that I've never seen before, even though there's a lot of people in it I would see. Um, that's why I was trying to think of the year it was released, because... Mm. It's a newer one. I remember. I remembered the promotion for it. I can't even begin to comprehend why I didn't go and see it. Yeah. So this is one I'm really excited to sit back and watch. Cool. Okay. Off we go we'll into go the woods, and we will be back when we've seen the film. Into the woods, into the woods, into the woods, and out of the woods, and home before dark. And we're back. We have now watched Into the Woods and we can actually talk about it now and talk about things that you maybe guessed. Yeah. And um, things that you Things didn't. I enjoyed, things that I guessed, things that I have more questions about. Yep. Make me wonder how has it changed from uh, stage to screen. Yeah. So to start with, you said before we watched it, you knew some of the fairy tales that were in it. And I guessed all of them. I said Hansel and Gretel, which wasn't in yeah. it. But Red Riding Hood, Rapunzel, Cinderella, Jack and the Beanstalk. Yeah. Pretty pleased with that. I think you that. were, you got, the only reason you said Hansel and Gretel was because you knew there was a witch. Yeah, but then I also thought potentially she was Mother Gothel, which she was, but yeah. maybe the witch played multiple roles. Yeah, and she does. In, without that. Yeah. That movie. Um, I really liked it. I first and foremost, I thought it was fun. Yeah, um, that's I a mean, step up from Joseph. Then it is a step up from Joseph. Although I will say this: there's a lot of Act One where I was like, "Oh, that happens in Endgame." So I renamed Into the Woods the musical fairy tale Avengers. Right. Okay. There's a lot of different things. I'm like, "Oh, Endgame copied Into the Woods." Like there's what? A, I'll go through it as we go through. All I'll, right. I'll, I'll, okay. I've got five different parallels, so. Okay, so go through it then for me. What What is your take on what happened throughout the movie? Well, you can really hear sometimes style. Like I said this last week with um, with Joseph, that you can hear cats in some of the, the melody for Joseph. Yeah. And especially during I Wish, you could hear Sweeney Todd-esque noises. Mm -hmm. And I think sometimes really got like a, a different style. Yeah, um, you get that a lot with composers. So... Last week, obviously, it was Andrew Lloyd Webber. You can hear a lot of his music within other shows. I think it's the same for, like, Alan Menken. Yeah. You can hear trains of of thought, almost. Exactly. And you can see, like, he's got a clear kind of aesthetic that he keeps to. Yeah. Which and is fun. That's, sometimes. Yeah. You know, and that's what I liked about this, is that I was like, okay, it sounds similar to other styles. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I, I liked the casting. I think the cast was really good. Mm -hmm. I recognised a few people. Like I said to you, huh, stepsisters. I recognised one of them. So I want to might... talk about her. Yes. Because you you brought it up that uh, Lucinda, which is one of the stepsisters, is she played was, by Lucy Pun. Who was a stepsister in Ella She's Enchanted. She's played a stepsister three different times. Yeah. The BBC did a fairy tales, like short movie versions of fairy tales she's yeah. a stepsister in cinderella she's a stepsister in into the woods and she's a stepsister in Ellen which Charted. i think you know if it ain't broke don't fix it yeah. so um, perfect casting yeah she was really funny i realized something you didn't know which that was? um the stepmother was martha mayhew from the grinch 
I knew it was that actress. But you didn't realise that she played Martha Mayhew in The Grinch? No. Christine Baranski. She's um, she's in Mamma Mia. Yeah, I was, really, I, I was really hoping there'd be some sort of throwaway line where she'd look at Mel Streep and just roll her eyes and say, here we go again. Lame. Um, so yeah, but, re- yeah, no, they don't meet, so we yeah. didn't get that. Um, I really liked Mel Streep. When she bursts in as the witch, yeah. it's great. I do think the design aesthetic for her look, her costume is very rumple silk skin from Once Upon a Time. Mm-hmm. You know, the darker... Does that come first? Uh, yes, I believe so. I think Once Upon a Time started in 2010. Yeah. Um, Frozen came before this, yeah? 2012, yeah. Yeah, so Frozen, in, in 2013, they were starting season four of Once Upon a Time, and they okay. had Elsa and Anna and Prince Hans was in it as well, which is great. Um, what, in this? No, in Once Upon a Time. Oh, right, okay, cool. So I did feel <laughs> very much... About that. I felt that she had a very Rumpelstiltskin-esque look mm. to it, very much. Um, She's supposed to look like a hag. Yeah, but I just think the makeup, the look, I was looking going, huh, she looks just like Rumpelstiltskin, which yeah. I thought was interesting, dynamic. Very, you know, um, I liked the fact that her song set her up to be a victim. She's not a villain. Yeah. Um, the very much... Her arc. Her yes. arc is, is great. I never felt she was a villain, and that was really good songwriting, that I could follow the story and actually understand what was going on with, with Sondheim's work. So that was great. I'm just going to say, before we go into the plot yeah. and what you enjoyed from it and what you maybe didn't enjoy from it, I said to you beforehand that I wasn't going to tell you who the director was before we watched it, and I wanted you to tell me who you think the director was based on the feel of the movie. I never felt it was a Tim Burton film watching it. Did you not? No. It's not Tim Burton's style. It's not colourful enough. It's not vibrant enough. It's interesting that you mentioned the colour because the reason I wanted you to say Tim Burton is that the costume design of this film is... I don't want to say it's Tim Burton's costume designer because she is very prolific in her own right, but Colleen Atwood, who is Tim Burton's costume designer, did the costume design for this film. And some of the feedback and the reviews of this film are that it feels like a Tim Burton movie. However, it is a misconception because Colleen Atwood did the costume design for Edward Scissorhands, Mars Attacks, Sleepy Hollow, Planet of the Apes, Big Fish, Sweeney Todd, and both Alice in Wonderland movies. Yeah. Anything that he does, that Tim Burton does, she will do the costume. Yeah, but that's like saying Danny Alfman's an exclusive... Um, Tim Burton composer he's not he's done a lot more Mm. he just so happens to have worked on a heck of a lot of Tim Burton productions yeah and the thing that um, that makes it look that Tim Burton style is the stripes he always has the white and black stripes or the blue and black stripes and that features a lot in this film as well because of Colleen Atwood it's her thing it's not him I, I, I don't think it felt very much like a Tim Burton maybe that's because I'd already it already been debunked for me maybe. that it wasn't but I, I never felt it was Tim Burton hmm. um, if it had shown up that it was Tim Burton I'd have actually been surprised that that was his, mm, okay. his aesthetic that's interesting um, okay so starting from the beginning um, you're introduced to the characters straight away in the first song into the woods yeah and we've got baker and his wife cinderella 
Little Red Riding Hood, Jack and Jack's mother, and the witch. Don't forget Milky Milky White. And the cow, yes. Milky Milky White. White. Milky White's important. Yeah. It's more than just a MacGuffin. Milky White is is a very important part of Act 1. And in stage shows in 2002... (laughs) Please tell me it's like the panto um, horse... No, it's, it's a person. It's a person. Yeah. So to start with, in the original version, it's a plastic cow with a, like a handle on the back of it. Yeah. So that you can just wheel it on and off. Oh, God. And Milky Way's just sort of there. But then in the, the revival of it in 2002, they had a person in a cow costume play the cow. and But you can see their face. They're not oh. like doubled over. Was it done in the similar way to that Jane Eyre we watched, um, the National Theatre Live Jane Eyre, where... One of the actors becomes... He just is a dog. Is the dog. Yeah. Is it very similar that they're just moving like a person but just making cow noises? Yeah. And cool. you just accept that, oh, okay, this person is... I prefer dog. that to some fake, clearly fake, like, plastic. It's really funny, though. Oh, I can imagine it's funny, but I don't think this is a musical that you should be sat at really laughing a lot of the time. Really? No. I mean, like, there's funny moments in it, but I don't think it's slapstick. And I think a plastic cow would make it slapstick. See, that's where we get into the changes between the film and the stage show. Yeah. So the stage show is supposed to be dark comedy. It's oh, satire. Which is great, and I got that from the film. Yeah. But it's not slapstick. And I think I think having... The... But there are, there are supposed to be aspects, like Cinderella, when she runs away from the ball the first night, she falls like head over heels down a hill and then sits up. And in the stage show, that's a laugh moment. That's yeah. funny. On film, it isn't. No. And I think that's because when you're sat in a theatre and an actor very like loudly and like Probably dangerously yeah. falls over and slides down the stage right to the front of the stage, that's funny because somebody in front of you has just fallen over. Oh, God, On yeah. film, she's fallen down a hill. And that's oh, I know. This is it. Um, I went to see a few Christmases ago, like... Um, an Amdram group do Christmas Carol. Mm. And I just, I was sat in the front row and I started having a fit of laughter because they had these really wobbly stairs. Yeah. And Tiny Tim was at the top of the stairs and I just, I had this vision of Tiny Tim falling down the stairs. Like of all the characters, it would have... Yeah, that is quite funny. And you're right, in person, that sort of act is going to be funny, but it won't translate well to... Film. Film. Yeah. Okay, so we're introduced to all the characters... Um, I really love the lyrics, um, you know, bits where she says, you wish to have the curse reverse, I'm going to need a potion first. I'll need a certain potion. Yeah, I yeah. really liked that. I think the wordplay's great, especially um, when they're talking about the cow who has a lump on his rump that looks more like a hump. Yeah. There's some really fun wordplay and yeah. lyric structure, which I really And that's proud. sometime all over, is things like that where he likes to have these sort of riddle-esque run-on lyrics that yeah. are great especially that with Jack's mother singing that line where she then runs into my favorite lyric of the whole show which is um there's no time to sit and dither while our withers wither with her which is a tongue twister in itself but is an amazing line but especially because the way it's sung is so fast as it is mm-hmm. that that must take a lot of timing to get right yeah um and i think this is where having that orchestra performing at the same time really helps because you've got the structure there to work with yeah and the other thing is they did a, they did six weeks of rehearsal before the film oh, really? was even started filming they did um 
like Broadway musical style rehearsals where they were in every single day rehearsing on a sound stage, but just learning their parts and their songs because it is sometime it is a bit wordy. Yeah. You've got to know it to be able to Exactly, because that's where you lose lose it. Yeah. Um it was though, you know, as Meryl Streep left, this is where I started to get the idea that, oh, okay, this is where Endgame kind of pinched ideas. It's just the time heist of, I need these different items from your history. Yeah. Um, these are the items I need. So then it's like, okay, so that's their mission is they want to get all these items hmm. um, that have significance to other people because that's going to help. And it's going to link everybody. Yeah, yeah. it's going to link everyone in. You know, so I was like, okay, cool. So, you know, you've got... Um, the witch is Thanos, we're trying to stop, you know, from getting the stones and, you know, the cloak, the cow, the um, hair and the slipper, they're, they're the infinity stones. So that was my first sure. Marvel power. Okay. Right. Obviously, I know this came first. Yeah. So this is me saying Endgame pitched it. It's not me saying, oh, you copied Endgame. Right. It's just parallels I picked up. Um, I really like how the song, songs blend into one another. Mm-hmm. I think that's fun that, you know, you have your mode of speech and it just picks up and goes. There's no big opening number to this or opening kind of uh to the song it just it starts yeah and i think that's really fun and they recycle um like people's songs over and over again so cinderella is singing now may i go to the festival is the prince's fanfare yeah and it's played on a trumpet instead and it sounds like a proper fanfare and it's great but it's her song yeah being played for him which is really fun um I, you know, I do find Little Red Riding Hood annoying. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know if it's because of having the kids involved in it. Do you want to hazard a guess at what Broadway character that kid played before she was in this? Oh, I've got no idea. She was Annie. Of course. Little girl was Annie. Yeah. Was um, Jack in Les Mis at any point? Yes, he was. He was well, Gavra. Exactly. <laughs> That's exactly. Because yeah. little kids play these roles. Yeah. Um, and they're great. She's a very good... Lila Crawford and... The little boy is called Daniel Huttlestone. Yeah. They're very, very good actors and very good singers. And both of them were brilliant on Broadway. I've seen both of them. No, they were phenomenal singers. I think in terms of the characters... They're supposed to be brats. Yeah, I mean, I don't like Jack anyway. And I'll touch on this later on because I don't like Jack and the beanstalk. I don't like the story and I don't like the message. And I'll touch on this later on because I'm really glad one of the songs picks up on that. Okay. But Little Red is just annoying. Mm-hmm. And that's not a reflection on the actress. It's um, never mentioned again that she nicks all the food from him at the beginning. No. Like, her morals kind of eventually go like, we can't murder someone. I'm like, you've stolen. Murdering's only like a step up from thievery. Yeah, and you said that when we were watching it. Um, I do like her portrayal of it, though. I think she's certainly up there with... She has a lot of energy. Yeah, she's up there with um, Ellen Page in Hard Candy's representation of, like, Little Red and... The Once Upon a Time Little Red Riding Hood, she's up there as a really good representation. Yeah. Um, she's different. She's not this wholesome little girl. She's got a bit of sass to her. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I like that. Um, yeah. yeah. And Cinderella then, we see that she's crying to Grandmother Willow and, or in this case, Mother Willow. Yeah. And she's proof that crying is the cure to everything because it's her tears that have made Grandmother Willow and Grandmother Willow is her fairy godmother. Yeah. And so it's the, the grave where her mother was buried. Cinderella planted a branch from a willow tree 
and she's cried on it so much and so often that it's grown into a fantastic giant tree. And one of the things that is on my list of things that Disney changed yeah. for this film is that Cinderella's father is in the musical. Oh, really? And in true Disney fashion, he's got to kill the parents. the parents. Yeah, so he's... I mean, he's not really... How many parents they kill in this film? A lot. A lot of parents <laughs> die of in this parents. film. And a lot of dead people that... Yeah... A lot of dead people. So yeah, she cries. This magnificent willow tree is is, is birthed, and eventually, magically, through all the colours of the wind, sure. makes her <laughs> a beautiful dress to go to the festival with. Yeah, which is fun, you know. Um, everyone needs a good cry here or there. Thank God Cinderella cried because mm-hmm. otherwise she's. We would cry. have no story. Yeah, um, we then come to my favourite song in the show, in yeah. the whole film, in the whole film, which is which was um, Little Girl. Oh, God. Hello, Little Girl. Um, I really liked that. I did think Johnny Depp's costume was very much... He was a wild wooder from um, Wind in the Willows. Yeah. Um, I thought he was great in it. You know, for the five minutes he was on screen, I loved him. Yeah. Um, that also, that song is so creepy, but it so is. catchy. The costume's great. I love his mad hat. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah, that was the only time I had like an Alice in Wonderland kind of parallel was, you know, this this was Dark Alice. Um, You've just sort of said, though, that Sondheim has certain things that he always writes about lyrics and and rhyme structure. Yeah. Do a lot more of his works have songs where he, he, he has Johnny Depp sing about eating people? Because between Have a Little Priest and Little Girl, that's two films... I where one of the just... characters sings about eating someone. And the way he describes it each time, it's like mm-hmm. it's sometimes secretly a cannibal. I think Sondheim just has a very dark mind. I definitely think Sondheim has eaten a person at some point because the way he describes <laughs> it, it's like there's a real love affair there. Yeah, he's really thinking about he's it. He's really thinking about it. And the structure and the words that he uses in both Have a Little Priest and... Um, the little girl. It's very romanticised. And talking about the flesh. And, yeah. yeah. It, I mean, this was more just like a parallel. It felt like, and I know Little Red is kind of moralistic, don't talk to strangers and be careful of strangers. Mm. But like, it did feel very much that this whole song, this whole sequence was like sexual awakening type thing. Yeah. You know, the That's way she sings. Yeah, it's the way she sings. And it's it's very weird, like that little girl with the flesh and everything. It's, mm-hmm. you know, if you forget he's singing maybe about eating her, it feels a lot more kind of... Yeah, and I'm really glad that you've mentioned that, actually, and the fact that you mentioned his costume, because the original Broadway show... Yeah. I'm going to show you a picture of his costume. Can't wait. You, you're not even guessing that it's sexual, basically, because of what this costume looked like, so... Oh, Jesus Christ. Yeah. <laughs> he definitely looks like a reject from Cats. Yeah. But why is there a massive penis? Right, exactly. It's not even trying to hide the fact that this is sexual. And he does a lot of, like, hip thrusting. Oh, my days. And you know at the end he said that? <laughs> it's scary, isn't it? This is awful. He looks like Rum Tum Tugger. A little bit. <laughs> but you know, in the film, there's this shot of... Johnny Depp at the end of the song where he howls and he sort of throws his head back and his chest towards the sky. <laughs> exactly the same shot in the stage show. Except... <laughs> I've just read the caption to this picture you've shown me and it says, 
the original anatomically correct Broadway wolf. Yeah. Just to give you an idea, like, that's how bad it is. Yeah. Oh, man. Yep. It's a pretty bad... Uh, I mean, it's a good costume. It's a great but... costume, but Disney certainly made the right call in changing the costume. I think, as funny as that is, I do prefer what Johnny Depp was wearing. I think the costume for the wolf there was fun. That he was anthropomorphic. Anthropomorphic. Yeah. Um, you know, he had clearly wolf features, but human human features as well. I think he looks like you bringing up the wild wooders. Yeah. In. He looks like the chief weasel. Yeah. Because obviously it's the other way around. Um, Wind of the Willows came after this. Yeah. So costume design-wise, maybe there's something in that. But he looks more like weaselly or foxy than wolfy. I oh, think. definitely. But I do think it's a lot of fun. And his little moustache as yeah, well. It's, good. it's really great for like the whiskers of the animal. Yeah. Um, and she goes from... Uh, Little Riding Hood goes from singing sort of back up to him in his song. In that she's singing what her mother's told her and saying that she shouldn't stay and talk to him and then is convinced that oh she should stay and look at the flowers so that the wolf can get to granny's and yeah her. then she has her awakening like you say yeah and, then and we're going to jump sings... forward a little bit but the cinematography for that song was great you know like the, the clearly fake puppetry of of the wolf that you know the, the shadows stomach, yeah um, you know well you've got before that the shadows that look like his fangs mm-hmm. and then she falls down and she's in the stomach and then yeah. the opening where it looks like james corden's about to birth her out of the wall yeah so this is her song i know things now and this is another thing that has been changed oh okay so in the stage show a lot of the songs are reflective songs the characters are going on a journey and they're learning something mm-hmm. so this is an example of it and her singing it to the baker changes the way that she's singing it because yeah. she's thinking of it as she's saying it whereas in the stage show it's all already happened off stage yeah and she comes onto the stage and she's telling the audience this journey that she's been on so it's reflective yeah. she already knows that she thinks she's changed and she already knows that she's learned something from it. Yeah. It's not her saying, oh, would you look at that? I've learned something. It's her saying, look, I learned this thing and I'm going to tell you what I learned from it. But I like the way the film's out that it's almost like this moment of realisation for her. Yeah. And I think that's staged very, very well. And I really liked that sequence. Um, I think, yeah, it, you know, I was surprised that was it for Johnny Depp. I didn't know if the wolf would come back. Oh. I'm glad that was it. I think it was a nice little moment. Mm-hmm. Bish bash bosh, done. We got our big cameo. Your million dollar cameo. Now, Rob Marshall. Yes. Directed. So, Rob Marshall directed this. I know him from directing Night at the Museum. Yep. Didn't, did he also do a Pirates of the Caribbean? He did. That's so, it. he directed it's Pirates the of the Caribbean, one. Stranger Tides. Yes. I don't With know. The, which it's one the fourth is. one, the Mermaids one. So, it's kind of right, okay. after its peak and then start of the demise. I've, see, I've actually seen that one. Yeah. I went to the cinema to see that. I quite enjoyed it, but I love a mermaid. So, yeah. You know, it's. it's... It's but he he's a Disney director. He's done a lot. So he directed not Disney, Chicago. Did he do the newest Mary Poppins yeah. as well? So he did Pirates of the Caribbean, Mary Poppins Returns. Yes. He did the Whitney Houston Cinderella, which is an amazing movie. And at some point we're going to watch that. Yes, and I nice love that film. Uh, it's Whitney Houston and Brandy and Whoopi Goldberg and just an amazing cast. Um, he did the Disney version of Annie which is the Kathy Bates one. Is that the one with Jamie Foxx? No. 
No, no, this is before that. It's like 2004, I think. Yeah. And then the TV movie Mrs. Santa Claus with Never heard um, of it. Mrs. Potts. Yeah. Angela Lansbury is Mrs. Santa Claus. Cool. Yeah, so he has like a big Disney backstory with working with them. But, but that's where he's, he's kind of come in as a, maybe, you know, he's, he's worked with Johnny Depp and he's like, as a favour. Yeah. And interestingly enough, when he did Chicago, Colleen Atwood, the costume designer, also did that. Cool. So they've worked together before. But yeah. the um, So we've talked about your favourite song. Yeah. Um, we then are introduced to Rapunzel. Yep. I joke to you going, oh, Amanda Seyfried would have been good in this role. And you, you didn't did realise. connect that at all. You did not connect that I was being facetious. No. And you said, oh, yeah, she's doing great casting. And I was like, yeah, Mamma Mia, here we go again. Who plays Rapunzel? Is she anyone? Her name is... And that sounds rude. Is she anyone? But Mackenzie Morsey. Or Mozzie. I think it's Morsey. Not a whole lot, to be honest. Mostly famous for this. She's been... She's just one of those faces that you look at and think, I recognise, yeah. but not quite sure. And she's a very good singer. Oh, she was great in it. You know. She's, I think, very good casting as... Yeah. Uh, Rapunzel, just because she has the sort of sweet, round Disney princess face, and yeah, and it works. And I think her Rapunzel isn't a prominent character in this film. That's something I want to ask later. But I think she does a good job with it. Um, it's nice to see that Mother Gothel actually cares. I know she's not Mother Gothel, but yeah, she is for all intents and purposes. The witch, yeah. Um, it's nice to see the witch actually genuinely cares about her. Mm-hmm. I've just realised. So she is James Corden's sister. I said this to you watching yes. the film that that's James Corden's sister. Yeah, they're never so... reunited. There's nothing's ever made of that. Now, does that happen in the Broadway show? No, nothing ever comes of it. So why even reference that they're because brother and sister? You have to tie in the Baker's story to the witch somehow, and he's the son of Rapunzel's dad. Like that's how we get it in. And so a lot of people have looked at this story. And said, if she'd have just left the baker alone, yeah, the baker and his wife would just either have never had children or adopted a child, yeah, and been absolutely content and fine with their lives. Everything that goes wrong for them, including Emily Blunt's character, the baker's wife, dying (spoilers), um, is the witch's fault. Because but she's only doing this because she wants to them. restore herself. To beauty. To, to beauty. Yeah. So it's a selfish thing for her. Everyone else gets what they want, seemingly, mm-hmm. because, you know, great, okay. Well, this is the thing. So the, the whole first act is about everybody having their wish fulfillment. Like Cinderella meets the prince and marries him. Rapunzel gets to leave the tower. And uh, Jack climbs the beanstalk and is rich. There's a riding hood, kills the wolves. Like, it all plays out the way it's supposed to. And the witch gets to be beautiful again. Yeah. And undo her own curse. Yeah. Well, not her own curse, it was the curse, well, the curse of her mother. mother yeah. But her own personal curse um, that she's dealing with. Yeah, so more on that later. Um, but it is really interesting, Rapunzel, and I like I like their dynamic. We then have more Red Riding Hood. We've talked about Red Riding Hood. Um, and then, nice to see Chris Pine reprising his role from The Princess Diaries. Oh, hilarious, yeah. Um, we have also, we've just watched The Princess Diaries too. Captain Kirk shows up. Yeah. Um, As my personal favourite character in this movie. Princes and castles and gowns, oh my, yeah. Yeah. Um, 
everything in that song with him and Rapunzel's prince. Now, I love the way they call it. That's actually his name. Is he just Rapunzel's prince? Yeah, so it's Prince Charming and Rapunzel's prince, and that's their names. Yeah. That's... I love that. You never see princes in um, fairy tales come together. It's really nice to just see them kind of ride by each other and have this have this song. They're like, oh, I'm more macho than you. Yeah. But everything in that song is setting up um, Prince Charming to be more of a villain. You know, when he sings lines like, why would she run from me? That's something a villain would say about a girl, not someone who's romantically in love. I mean, I feel like that's a fair question, is that he spent... This is going to sound so weird coming from the female talking about this, but they've spent all night dancing together. Yeah. She's obviously into him because we know that she is as as an audience. He's saying that because he's conceited. I love this character though. But from his perspective, she spent all evening dancing with him. It's gone midnight. The party isn't over and she suddenly ran away. And then she does it three nights in a row. Like, why? Because she's a good girl. Well, yes, obviously. But she's, to him, confusing. Because why wouldn't she love him? He's a prince. The visuals in this song are great. With, like, the whole, you know, tearing their shirts and then copying each other. This is where I got my Marvel um, parallel to. Yeah. Is that this is just Star-Lord and Thor. Yeah. You know, who's who's in charge here? Yeah. Um, I really liked it. Except Prince Charming is the heir to the throne. Yeah, Prince Charming. It's a line that comes later on, but I really like this line where he's like, um, you know, I'm Prince Charming, not Prince Sincere. And I really now want to read and see the exploits of Prince Sincere. Mm. I'd love to see, like, this really nice prince just being all like, oh, well, I'm not the best looking, but I mean well. That'd be awesome. jumping forwards in this a little bit, but the song that the princes sing is called Agony. Yeah. In a stage show, there is a reprise of this song. Brilliant. And I'd have loved to have seen that. Obviously, we know that Prince Charming cheats on Cinderella with the baker's wife. I only know because the birds told me. Yes, obviously. And the birds tell Cinderella and she learns about it later on. However, the princes meet up again later on in the film, just after Rapunzel runs away, when there's the, the giants are coming. Yeah. So they bump into each other again and they think, oh, how odd to bump into you. And they sing a reprise of Agony about the princesses that they're cheating on their respective princesses with. So Cinderella's prince is singing about Sleeping Beauty. And Rapunzel's prince is singing about Snow White. That's brilliant. Yeah, he. so Cinderella's prince starts the reprise with High in a Tower, like yours was, but higher. Like, they're still trying to one-up each other, but they are literally singing about how they're cheating but on this their is wives. But this is why I feel like this, that they need to be painted more as villains. Like the only, They're the only ones that come across at any point truly villainous. Yeah. And I feel like more could have been done with it. I guess... Well, this is the thing. And Agony, the, the first version of it, ends with them singing, I must have her to wife. Yeah. Meaning, I want to marry her. And the reprise ends with, oh, well, back to my wife. Yeah. Because they're married now. But they're still the same, like, selfish princes who want these unreachable princesses. And you want what you... You, you always want me to come Yeah. Out. Although the interesting thing is in the reprise, they're both singing about how their respective princesses that they're cheating on with yeah. are both asleep. Which is weird. I mean, yeah. <laughs> like, very weird. Yeah, but that's very a common theme. Um... 
the problem, one problem with this film, yeah. I kind of felt is, and I really like the colour structure. I really like the blues in the background. Mm. It's so dark. But it's so dark. Like, there are times that I'm trying to watch this and I can't see a thing and it's very difficult to follow up on. Yeah. Um, I mean, to give you context, we're watching this at about, you know, we started one in the afternoon. One, yeah. um, we got the sun shining through the window, pulled the blinds, but still, it doesn't, it doesn't really help sometimes because this is a very dark film. Now, obviously, it's in woods. It's got to be dark. Mm. But... Even in the cinema, it was hard to see. And that's something that will come out in the reviews when we talk about them. It is an issue. Like, it's... it takes me out of the film because I've got to pause sometimes and rewind... To see what's happening. To actually see what's happening. Or say, ask you to who's seen it and you know the story to fill me in on what's happened. Yeah. And that always takes me out of the film if I can't follow the plot because... Mm. I'm supposed to immerse myself in this experience. I can't do that when I can't actually see the experience. Yeah, and there are some key things that happened that we actually had to... I had to say, did you see what happened then? And no, I didn't. Because it's so dark. Yeah. Um, I really like It Takes Two. Yep, that's cute. Um, I, like that I did rewrite it a little bit. Um, inspired by Frozen. Now I turn around to find James Corden's Changed in the Woods. Yeah. Obviously. Um, Which does work. If you were to sing that, that would work. That would fit the, the structure. Now I turn around to find James Corden's changed in the words. You know, you've added an extra syllable there. I think it works. Um, that is one of the songs where the live recording comes into it. Because yeah. the end of that song, they both sing It Takes Two, and they're supposed to go to ooh and hit upwards on that last note. Yeah. And as they slide down the hill... They both burst out laughing and sort of rolled onto the floor and they kept that in the film because cool. they decided they wanted it and it's the two characters bonding. But I think it's cute because it makes them feel, it makes their relationship feel more real. Yeah. I liked this song because it was very much, it felt like the most musical mm. of the song. Like sometimes that was very operatic. And storytelling. And storytelling. Yeah. This was the one that felt kind of dance number-ish and kind of fun. Like I can imagine this one would be fun to watch Yeah. Um, on stage. I made a prediction here. Right. That them stealing the items will negatively impact the stories of Rapunzel and Cinderella. So I was wrong, but I kind of felt like, oh no, by taking her slipper, Cinderella will never marry the prince. Oh no, by cutting off Rapunzel's hair, yeah. she'll never be freed from the tower. So that's kind of, I knew there was a twist coming and I was kind of thinking, where is this, where is this twist? Mm. And you mean in terms of getting the items? Yeah, because they're trying to get these items. And I, I felt at this point, oh no, this is what the twist is going to be, that act two is going to be that Cinderella's story doesn't play out the way it should. Yeah. And I thought for a moment that was going to happen when we saw her sister on the back of the horse with um, Prince Charming. Yeah. And I thought, oh no. they. And then obviously that's resolved straight away. Yeah. But I thought for a moment this is where the twist comes, is that we're now going to get We've different... We've messed up their story. We've messed up the timeline and actually act two is trying to fix it. Yeah. Um... Which I thought was interesting. That is the plot of the third Disney Cinderella movie. It is. A stitch in time. Yeah. Um, this is my Marvel Parallel 3. I'm kind of like really milking it here. But I think it's appropriate because this is this refers to Milky White dying in front of Jack. Yeah. I just thought it was Black Widow um, dying in front of Hawkeye. Sure. Yeah, I told you I'm stretching. I'm milking it here. But, yeah, definitely. You know. Um, but how... <laughs> funny, funny is the payoff for that oh god the fact yeah. that the the cow dies in front of them in front of the baker his wife and jack and they're all just sit there like okay good we have this dead cow now 
which Jack's then trying means, to buy her back and you're like yeah. nope which then means that they no longer to them they no longer have a white cow now at no point did anybody say the cow had to be alive no however one would a assume a live cow is preferable yeah we, we thought she would prefer a live one which she would, obviously the witch would but rather of course, have a live cow. Of course, she can resurrect it. Yeah. Appropriate, we're watching it on Easter. Yes. Milky of White course. is Jesus. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> that's, that's terrible. How many? Um, it was three nights. Was that the second midnight or the first midnight? The Milky White died. The second. Oh, okay. So maybe not quite Jesus. Not quite. Beat the new world record. But <laughs> oh, boo. <laughs> but the the payoff of it of having. James Corden have to go, or the baker, sorry, have to go to the next village, get another cow, cover it with flour to make it look white, bring it back to the witch, and the witch just goes, no, I can resurrect a cow. I think it's great. It's That's literally just a really funny throwaway line, but yeah. like the setup is brilliant. Um, we get a nice interaction between Rapunzel and the witch, which yeah. just adds more credence to the idea that this show is about sexual awakening and kind of warning girls, be careful oh, of men's no, intentions. This is your, you laughed at this line. Well, no, she's like, I'm no longer a child. She says something She says something like that to the, to the witch, to yeah. her mother. I'm, I'm no longer a I'm child. I'm no longer a child, I want to see the world. I just thought, I'm no longer a child. I have urges, mother. <laughs> but that's what it that, is. That's the point. It's, it's all these children going on their journeys to becoming grown-ups. Yes. And... I love the first man I've ever laid eyes on, mother. Literally. Listen to the adults. The witch clearly knows what's best for her daughter. Yeah, which is why that line is so great in the song. She yeah. So she sings um, Stay With Me, which is an amazing song. And she sings the line, Stay a child while you can be a child. And obviously to... Rapunzel, who is a child because she's supposed to be like 16. Yeah. Um, she feels like a grown up. She's the oldest she's ever been and she has wants and desires and she wants to see the world and be with her prince, which is fine. But from the perspective of the witch, who's an adult. Who's like, okay, when you're good and ready, you're yeah. not good and ready. But from the perspective of an adult, you should try and stay a child for as long as you can because mm. being an adult is hard. And oh, God, I hate <laughs> adulting. It's not fun. And, like, yes, you get to do all sorts of outside world things, but you no longer have the freedom that comes from no, exactly. being a child. Um, and I thought that was really done. I was really pleased here. I turned to you and I said, oh, they've got the wrong ingredient because she's touching the hair. That was amazing. I was so pleased that you figured that out. So yeah. one of the uh, rules with the, the ingredients for the spell was that, or for the potion, sorry, was that the witch cannot have touched any of the items. Yeah. So they get Cinderella's slipper. They have the Milky White. Milky White, the cow, and Red Riding Hood's cape. And the my favourite line, in the whole, my favourite spoken line in the whole movie, they get Rapunzel's hair. And the baker asks his wife where she got it from, and she says, I pulled it from a maiden in a tower. And can I just add as well that during It Takes Two, the way that she's dancing with she's Rapunzel's hair like yeah. a boa is brilliant. It's such a it's small so little funny. thing. And the fact that she she just has this little throwaway, yeah, I pulled it from a maiden in a tower. It's great. It's one of those like matter of fact, we accept that we're in this fairy tale universe and that there are maidens in towers. Yeah. And it's the thing right at the beginning as well where it sets up the universe that we're in. Yeah. When James Corden looks out the window and says, it's the witch from next door. 
We know there are witches. We know there's one that lives next door to him. Yeah. That's the universe that we exist in yeah. for this movie. And then I started to think, oh no, this is where the altruist is going to come in, is the fact that they're going to use this hair. It's going to be the wrong ingredient, mm -hmm. and that's what's going to mess the spell up instead of having a baby. So again, I was wrong with that one. But that what was... did you think when, jumping forward a tiny bit, when they resolve this issue? <laughs> have the corn! Yeah, because we have the cow that we took a lot of effort to get and also got resurrected from the dead. He had to kill a wolf to get the, the cape of a red riding yeah. hood, so that's effort again. Yeah. And Emily Blunt tried to pull Rapunzel's whole head off, but, you know, got some of her hair. It doesn't work. And she had to tackle Cinderella to get her shoes. Like, where does the payoff for getting the... But that's what I think is so funny is that they've gone to such extreme efforts mm -hmm. to get these items and then, like, I just have this here. Yeah. I think it's really funny that they finish the spell in front of Jack's family. Like, and who's saying nothing about it? They're just like, except, oh, okay, fine, feed our cow that you've just raised from, from the dead. Right? In fairness, Jack's been climbing up and down a beanstalk this Yes, but I still think it's very funny that they just, they go, they resurrect the witch's here, and it's not done in private. Like, it feels like it's yeah. something very seedy. They're making a deal with a witch. And her song later on, in Act 2, you know, to jump further ahead, is like, you blame witches for everything. Yeah. So it's very weird that they're just accepting that, oh, we'll just let this evil witch do whatever she wants in front of us. But it's the the same thing, like, saying about this is the world that we live in, and it's, you know, that's the witch from the village. Do you know what? That's At times this is. feels like Skyrim as a film. Like <laughs> You've it's just, just got to accept. These are side quests, and you've just got to accept that this is the world. It's yeah. some kind of weird musical art. You're in the woods. You come across somebody making a deal with a witch. You know what? Leave them to it. Yeah. It's their thing. Um... Yeah, so I really like the way this film goes down the Grimm's route. You know, talked about it with Cinderella's yes. stepsisters. Oh having the, the way um, Martha May, who sings about, you know, you won't need to stand much yeah, or walk much when you're living in the That's a great lyric. And when you're his wife, uh, you'll have such a life you'll never have to walk. And Which is great. She's and then, not wrong. <laughs> you know, the, the sister who's chopped a toe off yeah. fails because there's a little bit of blood. So and they go really back the shoe, yeah. and she gives a little rag for... Um, for Lucy, for, for yeah. Lucy to, to chomp Lucinda, down on, yeah. um, which I think is brilliant. And again, that fails. She can't even make it down. She faints. That's so funny. Um, and I, I really, you know, and then the crow's coming down, the birds coming down to peck the eyes James out. James Corden just saying, and blinded them. <laughs> yeah, I think it's great. Um, they get what they deserve. The Grimm's element of this is really brilliant. Mm -hmm. um, and I love that that happens. This was where I got my fourth Marvel parallel. Is it? They put the ingredients together and summon. So so they put all of them together yeah. and they fix the problem. You know, yeah. so this is putting the Infinity Stones together. Hulk I feel clicks. like the stretching. No, 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 no. Hulk clicks and the world's back to normal. And they summon younger Thanos to, you know, come and just take over. Yeah. So they put all these ingredients together and they summon young Meryl Streep. It's not young Meryl Streep. No, but she's restored she's to her She's the same age. She's the same age, but she looks younger. She's restored to her beautiful yeah, witch I, form. Know. And then we think it's the end of the movie. Oh, no, wait. Yeah. Because Marvel Parallel number six, an unknown force strikes from above. Okay. <laughs> if you say so. But, but it's one of the things that you don't think about is Jack kills the giant. Yes. And we've already heard him mention... 
that he's met the giant's wife. Yeah, because she's the one who's given the stuff to him. She's the one who's been nice. Yeah. So he hears a song earlier on when the baker buys Milky White off of him. Uh, when he wants to buy Milky White back off the yeah. baker, sorry. And he sings that there's a lady giant and she gives him food and gold and everything. And then the, the husband giant comes and wants to eat him. Because of the harp. Presumably she's kept, you know, the female giantess... Or just the giantess, I guess, yeah. has kept Jack safe for whatever reason, but it's stealing the harp which plays itself, which wakes the giant, which causes him to give chase to Jack. But now she comes seeking revenge. And I think that's great. I yeah. love the idea that she's come down to the realm of men mm-hmm. seeking Jack. Specifically to kill him because she he Jack killed her husband. Yeah. Which is not, you know, she's a villain, but then the I feel like this, the question of the second half is morally, where do we stand? Well, this is it. It's that ethical dilemma. You know, is it one one life, Jack's life, is it worth it to save an entire kingdom? It's like that um, puzzle you give to children on, you know, with the trains. You're on the train tracks. Yeah. And it stopped working. The brakes aren't working. You can't stop this train. But so it's what the Star Trek do, question. Yeah. What you can do is change on track. So you can either be on this side of the track where there's three workers mm-hmm. who won't leave in time, or to this side of the track where there's one person. Well, what do you choose? You have to do one of them. Mm. You know, you're not swapping the train. What but do then, you do? So a lot of talking about making choices, Yeah. the choice of the second act is do we... The choice that they present is either we kill the giant, the lady giant, or we give Jack to her and presumably Jack dies. And hope she keeps her word. Yeah. But in the first act, you have all the characters asking their own personal questions and Cinderella's question, where she has to decide whether, where she's on the steps of the palace, is she going to be caught by the prince or is she going to go back to her life where she feels like she's being herself, but it's all horrible because she's at the stepsisters. And... All of these characters have to make their choices. Yeah. Cinderella is the only one who says, I'm not going to choose. Yeah. I'll leave it to the prince. And then in the second act, has to help with telling uh, Little Red Riding Hood that you have to make your own choices in life yeah. and you can't leave it to other people. Um, it's very moralistic. I know it's it about is. fairy tales and that's where that's going, but we like we love a moral. And speaking of moralistic, we watch the baker's wife cheat on her husband. Yes, we do. James T. Kirk, you little beast. Yeah. Well, uh, so it's the the same thing. And so in when we were watching the first act and they sang Agony, yeah. you said to me, do the princes become villains? And I said, no, they're princes. So I'm just like, yes, they're villains then. Yeah, and you took from that that I meant they were going to be villains, but I think my answer still stands is no, they're princes. They're exactly who you expect them to be. Yeah, um, and I didn't expect it from the baker's wife. Yeah. And I was very annoyed at her. Yeah. And I'm just thinking, right, I'm not going to pass judgment. I'm going to hope she gets redemption at some point later on. Mm-hmm. And she falls off a cliff. Yeah. And I just thought, instant karma then. Yeah. Great. Glad. I don't have to worry about judging you as a character because you got your just desserts. Yeah, straight away. Um, yeah. Which is harsh. It feels very harsh, but then compared to everybody else, like the stepsisters are mean to Cinderella. 
And they get their eyes pecked out. Which can we touch on? One of my favourite lines is when the giantess comes and says, have you seen Jack? And one of the stepsisters goes, I saw him over there. And I just burst out lines. laughing yeah. because she was fine. She had a little, you know, the, the, the glasses okay. and the walking stick. And I just thought, great. I love that. That's dark comedy I'm here for. And yeah, everything is topsy-turvy. That's yeah. part of the problem. And I do wonder, it's not touched more on. And I do, you know, act two is a lot shorter than act one. If we go by, it stops yep. where at the marriage of Cinderella and the, the arrival of the giants. Mm -hmm. Act two is a lot shorter, has more content being cut from act two yes. than act one. Quite a significant amount of content. Because I feel like it's very jarring that because she's left her story, she dies. Yeah. You know, in the same way, we never see um, the stepsisters back. Um, they slip off casually. Stepmother and stepsisters slip off casually when, you know, um, when they meet the giant. We never see them again. There's mm -hmm. nothing more now. Is their story done or is that... No, they're done. So they're done. So the stepmother has a line where she says, if we can't be useful, we might as well be safe. And they leave. So that's it. Yeah. And that's them making a decision, which is the point. They've made a choice to not get involved and to let somebody else save them, which is a choice. They've yeah, done which it. Which is fine. But then we also have Jack's mum is killed by the steward after being pushed. This is one of the things I wanted to talk about because I forgot that version because i've seen the original one more recently yeah. i watched the the broadway show um to do my research for this so in the original broadway production and in the the stage show production generally the steward beats jack's mother to death yeah. with his cane to shut her up Jeez. he hits her over the head a couple of times, and it's quite brutal, but he actively kills her. Yeah. And obviously it's a Disney movie. We can't have that, but we, we can't have, have dead parents. We can't have a, a side movie. character who we don't know anything about kill somebody on screen quite brutally. So instead he pushes her to the side, she hits her head and she dies slowly. But this is it. The way James Corden describes it is like she dies from the impact. But she talks at the end of that scene. She's awake. They talk to her. So I wondered if there was more to that story because it just felt very like rushed and kind mm -hmm. of just well, there. So, so the, the steward beats her. They're, they're shouting up at the giant. No, no, he's hidden in this place. Go away. The giantess goes away. And then the baker's like, oh, my God, what have you done to her? And she says, please don't let them kill Jack. And then she does a big dramatic yeah. death. And it's very panto, but she's, she was murdered. Yeah. Is the As opposed to an accident. Yeah. And then my final one, where kind of act two felt like notable omission. Mm. Does, does more happen with Rapunzel? Yeah, because so she's much. just she's just gone. Oh my we, god! And I know you've said that you know the princes have their reprise of yeah. oh well I'm actually receiving beauty and I'm with Snow White. Yeah, but Rapunzel's just a non-factor. Yeah. So what is supposed to happen with so Rapunzel? Rapunzel's story? Rapunzel's character in the stage show, she's a nightmare. Yeah. She, she's that petulant teenage girl who thinks she's ready for the big one. Exactly, wide and the prince thinks she's great while she's in the tower. As soon as she's yeah, out she of the tower. She's a nightmare. Yeah. He finds her incredibly irritating because she's constantly crying and being over the top. Yeah. She has, like, giant emotions. And so this in the in this film, we see the scene where the witch sees him climb down from the tower and then she blinds him. Yes, which is great. 
Oh no, I fell I first into these thorns. Oh, but your tears made me better again. We haven't gotten to the tears yet. Oh yeah, because the tears already happened. We we glossed over that bit. No, no, I mean in her timeline. Oh, okay. Um, So the the witch sees her, sees the prince leave. The gap between act one and two is a year. As opposed to straight away. Yeah. So Rapunzel, the witch sees the prince climb down from Rapunzel's tower. She banishes Rapunzel, cuts her hair off. When she banishes her, she's pregnant. (gasps) And she banishes her into the woods. And when the prince finally finds her a year later, she's had their children and they have twin babies. Oh, dear. So you've got this teenage girl running around the forest crying hysterically holding two babies and with her blind prince with her and then she cries on him and he can see again as soon as he can see again he's so done with her like that's it for their relationship every time so when they sing agony reprise and he sings oh well back to my wife there's a beat before that line yeah where rapunzel runs across the back of the stage like screaming hysterically and he just looks at her and is like, okay, cool, back to my wife, great. Like, the Cinderella's prince is kind of one here. Yeah. So Rapunzel's prince is just sort of dealing with her, and that's fine. One of the things that then happens is, I don't think we see the, the babies again. They've had kids anyway, and the giantess comes, and the land is shaking. Rapunzel freaks out, because they're all stood in the forest together. Um, with, they're with the baker and the other characters yeah. and she screams and runs off stage towards where we've just had the giant's voice come from and you just hear this squish noise <gasps> and she's stood on she's trodden on so by the giant, and she dies oh man it's so wish, hilarious though I wish it's we so could have funny. got that I would have loved to have just had, heard like a Rapunzel squish it's literally just like Oh, she's dead. Jesus. That's it. And it's hilarious. It's Do you get the so... prince just goes, ha ha! I think the prince just sort of leaves. <laughs> he's just like, okay, cool. I'm not fighting you, beast. You've done me a favour. Yeah, he's the, like, neither of the princes are fussed by this giant. Oh, God. But it's so funny. And it's such a weird... Because in removing the plotline of her being really irritating you sort of lose the point of her being in it. Yeah, there's no, there is, she exists solely to to confuse, to confuse the mission for, for the hair. That's all she does. And once that's done, there's no point in her. And I kind of felt like it was a waste. Yeah. Um, And it's good to know that, you know, act two, there's a lot more depth to it. Because I did feel act two was was a lot shorter and kind of. Well, there's two more characters that we're missing, which is why act two is short. Yeah. One of them is the baker's father. He shows up for literally 30 seconds. Yeah. And and you'll be a good dad. You'll be better than me. And in the context of the movie, he's a ghost. Yeah, he's a Or he's in James Corden's head. And the same thing happens with Emily Blunt. She reappears as the baker's wife in James Corden's head to give him advice. In the stage show, there is a character called the Mysterious Man who is in it all the way from Act 1. He gives James Corden advice. Uh, he gives Baker advice and he gives Jack some advice and he just sort of is there. And you get the idea that he's this sort of homeless dude that lives in the woods. It's Jack's fa- It's um, the Baker's father. So that's another Sondheim kind of requirement is a mysterious figure from your past in the background, the whole point, but then gets revealed later on. Yeah. Because it's Johnny Depp's 
wife from Sweeney Todd. Yeah. Who's we the like mysterious a, crazy lady. Yeah, a mysterious character that gives advice. And Sondheim, you it? find out in Act 2 that it is the baker's father. And he then gives the advice Baker. of like, you know, you... You will look after your yeah. son. You'll be a good father. Just because I was a coward doesn't mean you are. And that's what he needs to learn from him. But he's in the whole show. Can we just touch on one of my favourite lines from James Gordon's entire film? Mm. Is I will take care of him when he is older. I'm thinking, yep, that's me as a man. <laughs> I'll take care of him when he's older. When he's less fragile and I can't break him. Yeah. Loved that line. Mm-hmm. So who's the other character then that we're missing? Other character that we're missing is the narrator. You see, we touched on this while we were watching it. I get why James Corden narrates it, because he's telling the story to his son. I figured that out before it's revealed at the yeah. end. But it's very jarring to have James Corden's voice and then have him be the main character. I just didn't like it. Yeah. And you actually said, well, why can't we have... Why didn't they just get Johnny Depp? Well, yeah, they've paid him a million. Can you not just be this role, but then put on a different voice or something to be the narrator? I think... I don't know that Johnny Depp can do a different voice to start with, and... Also, then the turnaround of it is that I think his voice is quite different. Mm. I think you'd be able to tell it was him. Yeah, but still, I think his voice is a fairly different. Yeah, but you know, the turnaround is it's the baker telling the story to his son. Yeah. However, in the stage show, (laughs) the narrator is on stage occasionally doing the narration parts. Like Bad Brothers. Yeah, except in Act Two. Well, after they sing Your Fault, yeah. which is a great song. Yes, we'll talk about And they're about all in placing the blame on each other. As they're telling this story and they're placing the blame on each other, they suddenly hear the narrator. <laughs> and they can suddenly hear what he's saying and they can hear that he's t- talking about which one of them's going to die first. And they turn on him and they decide that they're going feed to him, feed him to the giant. Oh, cool. And they kill the narrator. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, which is hilarious. That's so Deadpool. That's so, like, meta and, like... Yeah, they're aware that they're in this fairy tale and they sort of know what their roles are and if you stray from your role, you get punished, so... So does that mean, then, that your fault was rewritten and changed? Yeah, a lot of the songs are changed. So that, but that's quite a big change. Lyrically, sometimes yeah. lyrically rewritten this whole musical to make it fit for purpose. Mm. Blimey. Your fault was one of my favourites. I that, loved that song. It's a slowed down version of that song. Really? Yeah. I thought it was great. I love how quick it is. Um, I think it's a really fun song. It touches upon, you know, Jack is a murderer and a thief and he's the villain. Hmm. I've said this, you know. You don't like Jack. I don't like Jack because if you think the story of Jack and the Beanstalk, Jack is a hero because he climbs this mysterious beanstalk and comes back with gold and stuff to make his family rich, right? His, yeah, but his actually, single mother rich. Yeah, yeah his sing- you know, and, and this is the point, is Jack is actually, by modern standards, a thief and a murderer. Hmm. And he's not, he's not got any good qualities. He's this lazy boy who doesn't do as he's told, he's got his head in the clouds, and he steals to make a name for himself. And I love that people turn on him, because he's a nasty character. I don't like Jack. I've he's never... also a child and he is the youngest character in the film he is but regardless in any form of jack and the beanstalk i've always felt he is a villain and actually the giant is entitled to chase after him because you've stolen my property yeah and you'd kill him innocent like yeah okay fine the giant was going to eat him yeah compared like with the original jack and the beanstalk story not with the the musical but yeah the giant's plan is to eat him because the giant eats eats humans which I mean they're both villains yeah 
there's no, no good qualities yeah. in Jack. But that's why I really liked this song is that he's called out. And I then love the cause and effect that they're going back and forth and trying to figure out, well, it's your fault then. On, yeah, but you only did because this person, so it's your fault. Oh, but you only did because she dared you. And I think that's a really and fun And it's his father's song. fault, and then it's this person's fault. And, and then, then we go into Meryl Streep, showstopper extraordinaire. Is yes. there anything Meryl Streep can't do? No. She's oh, amazing. that was brilliant. And, and this song is gorgeous. This song is great. And, I, you know, I do so feel so sad for her that she ends up dying. But it is that kind of calling out the racism of you think I'm bad just because I'm a witch. Yeah. She's but, done at this point. Yeah. She's like, okay, you blame me for everything. So she, we go from your fault, which is a very quick, up-tempo, them kind of shouting at each other and singing lines over the top of each other song into Last Midnight, which is the witch's big ballad and yeah. she's singing about you know this is the sky's gonna fall and we're all gonna die if we don't make a decision here so do you know what i'm going to make a decision and i'm done i'm yeah. taking myself out of this yeah and she turns into a puddle of tar which and which ends up being very significant later on but we've had tar used twice with it in this musical yes because they step on the shoe yeah it's what the prince uses to trap cinderella yeah or to try and trap Cinderella. Yeah, which I love. The fact he's like, you're not going to run away from me this time. Mm. <laughs> Have we had the moment before this point where um, Cinderella is talking to the birds and Red Riding is just like, you talk to birds? Oh, no, after this. So it's great. Last midnight happens and then they ask for help. They decide what they're going to do. Yeah. Um, I and love... You can tap the birds. Yeah. And I love that she immediately moves on from Prince Charming and the baker immediately moves yeah. on from his dead wife and we get Cinder Baker. Did you think it was clear that the birds had told her? Oh, yeah. Okay. Absolutely. You could see by the shock on her face. What if the prince? Yeah. And oh, then, yeah, so okay. the birds... She asked the birds to help them kill the giant and the birds tell her that the prince has cheated on her with Emily Blunt. Yeah. And then we get a weird song which is... No one is alone. No one is alone. Which I kind of... I'd like to see it swapped so that Corden was talking... To the girl. To the girl, and Cinderella was talking yeah. to Jack. Because it feels very much here that it's like, well, mothers look after the daughters and fathers look after the, the boys. Yeah, and obviously in the stage show, you can't... They didn't... They don't stage it that way because it's a flat stage. Yeah. They're... And the levels, levels-wise in the show, they're all at the front of the stage. Anytime anything happens in Into the Woods, the stage show, any revelation happens centre front of stage. Yeah, which you can't do here because... No, because there is no centre front of stage. No. But the, um, I think learning, knowing fairy tales, the reason they've had Cinderella tell... Little Red Riding Hood and the baker tell Jack is they're trying to stop the children from becoming them. No, which is great, and I, I get that. But I feel like more of this story... I mean, James Gordon, the baker's got a connection with both these kids. Yeah. But of the two of them, I feel like... He knows her better. He knows he saved her life. I feel like she's going to listen to him more. Mm -hmm. I just feel like I'd like to see a version swapped where James Gordon was telling her and cinderella was talking to him it's been quite yeah. interesting but it's them growing into parents at this point like their relationship has already blossomed mm. so quickly interestingly we hear little red riding hood talk a lot about her female relatives yeah but we never see them well we see we grandma, see grandma really briefly yeah very 
not in No, she's literally in her. it to, to welcome Eat her into it. the wolf's stomach and yeah. then be like, come back, come back. But she talks about the morals that her mother's told her and the morals that her grandmother's told her, but then all the interactions she has on screen are with the baker or the wolf yeah. and then Cinderella. Yeah. So... I love the fact she's clearly got all these morals and yet she'll still still steal from the bakery. Yeah. Which is awful. Um, so, yeah, this quote, this song, No One Is Alone, is them all questioning, making right decisions. So Jack's saying, well, if the steward killed my mother, then I'll kill him. There's an eye for an eye. Yeah, and this word riding hood is saying, but a giant is a person too. Should we a be person to her? person, no matter how tall? Yes, basically, it's like the so it's the morals of are we doing the right thing? Is this the correct choice? And the adults are saying to them, That's you have to make the choice, yeah, which is cool. And I like the message of the song. I just, yeah. I'd have liked to have seen it swapped. I just, I think that'd be an interesting swap. Mm. Um, I really like the casting of Madame Maxime as the giant. That's so funny, isn't it? It's... Do you know what? I so it's her name is Francis de la Tour. Yeah, she is five foot six, so she's not she's exactly like, tall. she's not tall. Um, and she's Madame Maxime and a giant. My question is this though is the giant the Jack kills Hagrid? No, <laughs> but I also. Don't know who the giant that Jack kills. No, he's, he's not he's on just the cast a voice. List. He's just a booming voice. Yeah. Um, you know, the ending is very exciting. The birds fly at Madame Maxime. Mm-hmm. Um, she gets stuck in the mess that is Mel Streep's tarry remains. Yeah. And then we go all David and Goliath, and they just got like their little slingshots and their hurling rocks. Get one right between the eyes. She falls. She dies. End of story. Ish. Ish. Yeah. I mean, basically, and then we have. Mary Poppins shows back up as a force ghost to say, you'll be a good father someday. You'll be a good father now. Yeah, now. And yeah. you tell your story and end of story. Yeah. And then he agrees to adopt Jack and Little Riding Hood and Cinderella, I guess. Does he adopt her and take her on as a ward? Is it more like, you know, <laughs> Alan Rickman and Joanna in Sweeney Todd? I don't know. Is that So I... she just... He says... To the kids, come and live with me, because I assume that his bakery is still intact. Well, the village has been destroyed, so yeah. probably not. Whatever's happening, he's taking. He's going to try exploit child labour laws and have them rebuild Obviously. it. Obviously, he's he's taking the kids with him, and the kids say to Cinderella, "You should come too." And he says, "Only if you want to," and she says, "Yes." Well, she says something about enjoying cleaning sometimes, which is an interesting line. Yeah. In the stage show, there was a fantastic line where Jack... They've killed the giant, and Jack says... How is the giant done? Is it just a voice? It's just a voice with an echo on it. Cool. And, like, reverb. But... So they've killed the giant, and Jack says to the baker, I've got no family now. What will I do? I've got no one to look after me, no mother. And Literate Riding Hood says, I'll be your mother now. And it's hilarious because oh, she's a child as why well. Why can we not get that line? And he says, I don't need a mother. I need a family. And then the baker says he'll take them in. And it's just such a weird line. Does Milky White survive the, the giant's Yeah, attack? yeah. So Milky White, Milky White is Milky White again, yeah. But does, does Milky White come back at the end? The bows, yeah. Yeah. 
<laughs> we don't see Milky Way again. I always assume that once Milky Way has had the ma- had the magic, yeah, permanently can, alive, yeah, and can like give milk and stuff now. Yeah. So I'm assuming that Milky White's fine. And they probably Milky White is helping the baker to be the best possible baker. Yeah. Ever. I assume so. So talk to me about reviews before we come on to my review. How did this one? get received so it's got 71 percent approval on rotten tomatoes yeah which is pretty good people said that it's like a comfortable mix of broadway and hollywood which i agree with i think it's a very good movie musical they yeah. did a good job with it um the biggest reviews are on how good meryl streep and emily blunt are meryl streep is fantastic mm-hmm. emily blunt is just kind of there Considering she'd not been in a movie musical at this point. No, you know, I don't... I and I don't do... think she was doing anything particularly famous at that point. Well, she'd been in Devil Wears Prada. She's not a main character in that. She's big. She She's important. She's important to the plot, but she's not... And she's important enough that the character's then referenced in The Muppets, which oh, comes before okay. this point. Well, I think it is. And she's clearly big enough to have a, a celebrity cameo in The Muppets. Yeah. So I think she's quite a big name at this point. But this is pre-Quiet uh, Place, pre-Mary Poppins casting. Yeah, but I don't think she gets Mary Poppins In the Poppins musical theatre world, she's not big. No. But I think she's she's done okay. But I, I yeah. wouldn't say she was what, one of my favourite parts of this film. She's just kind of there a lot of the time. Yeah. So a lot of the... Then we've got a lot of negative. So what are they, talk to me about the negatives. So people said that it's a like, perfectly adequate adaptation. Yeah. But it doesn't capture the existentialist dark message of the show. Okay. Which I agree with. Yeah. I think. Um the show is a lot darker. People can just die. And people can kill each other in the stage show and obviously Disney movie, that can't happen. Yeah. The other thing people called it was dystopian, which I think is really interesting because this is not what I would I don't get much sense of dystopia from it. No. But I don't I, I don't think act two is brought to life well enough to potentially make it appear dystopian. Yeah, I would agree with that. And then... Because you've clearly got a king or a prince. You know, the king's not a factor. And the prince is we both... We don't seem- see him, yeah. No, and the princes both seemingly disappear because they're not dealing with this. They're lovers, they're not fighters. Mm-hmm. So I'd like to see more of the world, like, post a giant attack where it's chaos and it, that potentially becomes more dystopian. Yeah, Maybe. It's not touched on enough. Not obviously. No, not obviously at all. The other thing that happened online was that it got a lot of one-star reviews from people who didn't realise it was a musical and went in to see this Disney movie without realising, which, fine. I think, based on the adverts that I watched for it, it isn't made clear that it's this level of musical no, which is fair I used to work in the cinema world and I had two fairly big releases during my time working in cinema world that mm-hmm. had similar critiques Troll Hunter yep. where we had a lot of people come out wanting refunds because it was a foreign film they didn't want to read subtitles we had to stick a banner up that said this is in uh, Norwegian mm-hmm. um, the second one was The Artist Oh, big Academy Award winning The Artist people coming out 
complaining. There's, 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 there's no sound. <laughs> that the screen's wrong. It's in black and white. We actually had to put up a sign that said the film is presented in this aspect. Mm -hmm. It's a silent film. Yeah. It's black and white. We will yeah. not accept refunds if you come out complaining about any about of these this. things. That doesn't surprise me at all. Cinema goers don't do their research. However, if you are taking your... Because it is rated for children. Yeah. Um, if you're taking your kids to see a Disney movie, which is very clearly about fairy tale characters, because in the trailers that I'd seen for it, they use the name Cinderella yeah. over and over again. And Little Red Riding Hood. And The Witch. And... There is music in the trailers. They don't sing so much, but you can hear the music. I think the expectation of a kid's Disney movie is that there is going to be some music in yeah, it. Yeah, most Disney most Disney films, from my experience of yeah. cinema going, the first film I ever saw at cinema was Aladdin. Yeah. I, I would say the only Disney, Disney films that I have seen that aren't musicals are either Pixar films mm -hmm. or Pirates of the Caribbean. Most Disney films... Have songs. Have songs. I go to them expecting to hear songs. I find it quite um, weird that Wreck-It Ralph has no songs. Wreck-It Ralph has a song. Not in the same way. Yeah. It's not in the same way. It has one song. It's but, not the same. I was expecting, because it is a Disney animated film, for there to be more songs. It's quite mm -hmm. weird that it wasn't. And this is the thing. from Because I'm a musical person, um, yeah. I get quite annoyed at Disney movies that present themselves as musicals so, for example, Frozen has, what, nine songs off the top of my head? Don't quote me on that. But eight or nine songs. One of them is that opening song where they're digging ice. Yeah. Doesn't count because another factors in again. Well, it's telling the story of yeah. the film. But, you know, we never hear that song again. And then the rest of them are just sort of songs. And I... And then you get to the end, and the last song in Frozen is <laughs> Fixer Upper. Is the awful troll song. And there's no finale. No. There's nothing after that. There's I half love, an hour of the movie. I left. would love a reprise of Let It Go, like a more positive Let It Go, like something yeah. like that at the end. You need to listen to the stage. Oh, show I know I do, but I want to see it live. Mm. Um, but, the... but it's the same with Frozen 2, that the very last song we get in Frozen 2 is Anna. Anna saying, I'm depressed and can't go on. The next right thing. Yeah. That's and the last. This is, is a, it's a big Disney thing at the moment, I think, with their, their mute movie. With they're hiring Broadway writers to do this. Which is why I don't understand. Yeah. Because this film, obviously, has, it has 20 songs in it. 20 song songs in it. Yeah. And that's a lot. If for people who are expecting a Disney movie, a Disney length movie to start with, 90 minutes, which is their average, yeah. to go to 124 minutes, 20 songs that are all telling the story, some of which are just people shouting at each other. Yeah. And I can see why people came out of it saying... But that's why I don't like watching Tomatoes as a barometer. I... Yeah. I love reading critical responses i remember this time last year endgame's coming out and i just wanted to know what empire thought about it i trust empire's review that's me personally and i remember logging on i didn't read the review i just saw it's a four star review a five star review yes yes this film's going to be perfect for which one endgame all right okay and in the same way like i don't i didn't read the review i then went back and read it after and i trusted it However, had I gone on something like Rotten Tomatoes, I wouldn't trust it because 
you need to look at Pokemon Sword and Shield. People, the fans, don't like certain aspects of the game, so they have deliberately, yeah, deliberately lowballed their scores to, to to drop that grade. It's happened with Animal Crossing New Horizons. But then there's things I where it's the trust... other way around, where critics can hate a movie. For I'm going to use Cats as an example. Yeah, I had a very good time watching Cats. I enjoyed it greatly. It's and I know a lot of people who love the stage show. And obviously it's very different. Who had a fantastic time watching the movie because it was so weird and wacky and yeah. out there, like the stage show. I enjoyed the film, don't get me wrong. It was but a it trash was film, but I enjoyed it. Yeah, but this is the thing. Critical opinion to me isn't a be-all and end-all. If I like a film, I like a film. However, that being said, I trust very few sources yeah. when it comes to a review. IGN for my video games and um, Empire for films. They're not always perfect, and I don't always agree with what they say, but for me, it's a good barometer. I remember, again, Animal Crossings. I saw that it got like a 37 out of 40, and I was like, great, I trust that source. I know that it's not always the right barometer to go on. I can like a film, and you can hate the film. However, 71% Rotten Tomatoes for this, I think, is a good... I think it's better, considering you're saying that people went in and one-starred it because of you know their own, their own agenda yeah that's pretty good um, imagine that happening with cats though people it, go into cats and don't know that it's a musical oh my god could you imagine it, like things like that i find really funny because i can't imagine the advertising the advertising for cats was very good at the musical like yeah and that i think is important i do think companies like this do need to be more obvious when they're marketing it because it can backfire you know so what's your review for this well, movie you've already said that you enjoyed it yeah i really enjoyed it. i'm gonna start off by you know my i had two favorite songs right which are hello little girl yep because i thought that was just fun i think it was really cheesy silly and over the top yeah. and your so thoughts. the wolf song and your thought i really your like that great yeah. i love that song um i liked agony i liked i liked a lot of songs oh. i like i wish i like into the woods but i think these agony's the... my favorite song yeah what was the song that you said was your audition song for the longest time oh god um it was i know things now which is red riding Hood's yeah song. and that one was fun as well it's nice, it's a good song. But I really liked Little Girl and I really liked um, Your Fault. I think yeah. they, those are my two favourite songs. Um, my MVP. Yeah. My favourite. You said surely it's got to be Meryl Streep. And obvious. She's amazing though. But this is the thing is, for me, MVP is somebody who surprises me. That's how I go about it. All right, this. okay. It's got to be somebody who I don't necessarily expect anything from within the context of it. And Meryl Streep's name is attached to something you know you're getting quality. Yeah. Meryl Streep is a phenomenal actress. Mm -hmm. The fact that she can sing as well as she does is great, but I know that about her. Yeah. Therefore, she's not my MVP. As great as she is, I will be honest that my MVP is James Corden. Really? I I'm quite surprised. I thought you were going to say Chris Pine. No, because Chris Pine's a non-entity, really. He's a, For somebody that's never sung in anything I before. think his singing was great, but like for me, James Corden is usually more obnoxious and more in your face look at him as Buster for Jones that's true I think he is and very subtle in this he film. is very subtle and I think when you look at him as Smithy when you look at him in the one man two governors that we looked at he's got a type yeah and I think he's playing very against type in this he's not this big pratfallish oaf yeah. he's actually the leading man yeah that's and quite rare for me that surprised me I know he can sing mm. 
I feel that this was something that made me look at him as more than just like a footnote or a joke. He's actually he's a good performer. I love One Man Two Governors. I love James Corden. I think he's a really great performer. But this one, I think, was very against type. Yeah. That's why I'd say he's my MVP because he he's the most consistent part of this film. Yeah. He's he he's the main character. I think, arguably, he his story ties everyone else together. Exactly. And... But he's not playing as James Corden. Yeah. And I think that's why you can almost forget that it's him. Yeah. Who do you think? What What's your favorite song in this? Agony. Agony. Hundred percent. And who's your favorite actor? Who's your Who's the person? Who's your MVP? Who, who's your favorite cast member of this? So my favorite, my favorite character is Cinderella's Prince. Because one, it's Chris Pine, and I love him. Yeah. And two, he goes from being silly, foppish prince to dark character who is willing to cheat on his wife, acknowledges that he's not a sincere person and that he has flaws, and then also just cowards out of the movie, Mm. and we don't see him again. And I find that really interesting, character-wise. Agony is my favourite song, because I enjoy them making fun of each other and it's very pantomime. That ending with the sunset on the cliff is And they stood on the cliff looking out over their kingdom. Amazing. It's a Disney princess song. Yeah, it is. Character-wise, though, I think my favourite actor in the film is probably Anna Kendrick. She is really good. Yeah. Again, like you say about Meryl Streep, obviously she's the best. Yes. We love her. No, and there's no denying vocally presence everything Meryl Streep is the best and the fact that she can make you feel so sad for her mm-hmm. because she's she has the line where she says I was just trying to be a good mother and then Rapunzel says I never want to see you again like that makes me so sad and because yeah. you can see that it's broken her heart and then she the very next thing we see her do is die and like choose to die is heartbreaking but that's Meryl Streep. Like, you know she's going to give you that performance. So I think, yeah, my yeah. my favourite character, uh, actor in it is Anna Kendrick. Anna Kendrick is very good in it. I think she's not that big kind of bolstery character. Again, she plays a lot. You look at her in Pitch Perfect or Scott Pilgrim or Twilight yeah. and she's a very different character to everything she plays in those. Yeah. And it's quite fun for her. Well, she has a big Broadway background. She grew up being in stage shows and having Broadway training. There's a great video of her at the Tony Awards when she's, I think, 10. Really? Yeah, and it's really, really funny. See, I, the first thing I knew her from as a singer is Pitch Perfect, but I'd seen her in the Twilight films. I'd seen her in Scott Pilgrim first. I had no idea she was going to be this, as big as she is. And honestly, now, she's fantastic. Yeah. And I know she can sing. I've seen the trends Well, she's trials. in the, the film version of The Last Five Years, which yeah. is a musical that is on my list for yeah. us to watch at some point. So we'll and see more of Anna Kendrick. That. Yeah. That's cool. She'll pop back up again. Uh, my review. Yep. More positive than Joseph. I gave it four out of five stars. Cool. I think the characters are great. I love the music. Um, However, I think it suffers from the same issue that Sweeney Todd does in that um, there are moments that cut and don't get the full kind of treatment. Sweeney Todd, you know, Anthony Stewart Head's character shows up. Yeah. But is a more prolific character. Like Sweeney Todd is haunted by these ghosts who become his moral compass. Mm -hmm. 
I think it's the same and on issue. And the chorus parts that cut. Yeah. <laughs> and I think this is the same issue here is that there's a lot of, and you know, I can tell without yeah. you having to tell me all the great stuff about Rapunzel and all the extra. Mm-hmm. Act two is considerably shorter. Yeah. As a result, there are less moments to shine and I feel like it becomes more rushed at that point. Um, and I'd say that's kind of what I'm missing out on is, is act two doesn't feel as fleshed out as it could do. Yeah. I don't like Chris Bryan's character's sudden heel turn. I don't like that. Oh, I like that. I love a villain that just suddenly becomes a villain. No, like it's great. Don't get me wrong. Like he's suddenly just like, ha ha, I'm going to cheat on you. But it just feels very sudden and forced because mm. no other development of these topsy-turvy stories and for him to just be like, he's a non-character. He just serves to kind of give Cinderella a purpose, and then, and then, that's it. Mm. He's got no other purpose. But I think, and I wonder if it'd be out. more fleshed out if yeah. there was a director's cut. And I want it's more fleshed out. So I would say it's four out of five. I really liked it. I would do happily with with some, you know, maybe half hour more to yeah. have what was cut be a part of it. I'm glad that you enjoyed that one. Would that be one that you would be interested in putting on as a show? I think so. I think vocally it'd be very challenging. Mm-hmm. The style is very lyrically diff- very challenging. Yeah, and vocally very challenging as well. Um, I would certainly be interested if there was ever a revival to go and see it. Yeah. Um, I'd like to see it done. There hasn't been since 2010, I believe. Yeah, and that surprises me. Um, did Disney own the rights to it theatrically now? or? Oh, I should imagine so. Yeah. <laughs> uh, if they made the film of it. Although saying that because Stephen Sondheim was so involved. Maybe he still has the rights maybe to still, it. He still, and James the Pine. Yeah, know. I enjoyed it. Um, four stars. So, tell me, Drew, what are we going to be watching next? So the next musical that we're going to be doing is Newsies, which is on Disney Plus now, the stage version, but also the movie version is on Disney Plus as well. There's a movie of it. There is, yes. I did not know there were multiple versions of Newsies. Was it something that was released exclusively for Disney Plus, like most of their content is nowadays, or was it... So the original... We'll talk about it more when we do it, but there's an original film, which is from the 90s. Okay. And then there's the stage show, which is a filmed version of the stage show. So is the stage show, like Waitress, inspired by an older musical? Inspired by a movie musical, yes. Okay, cool. Interesting. Yeah, I think Um, it would be Which version are we going to be watching? We're going to watch the musical. Cool. And we're going to talk about the movie a little bit. But we'll be watching the full musical version, which is great. It's such such a good show. Excellent. So how can people find us? As usual. You can find us on Instagram and Twitter at It's A Musical Pod. And you can email us at It's A Musical Pod at gmail.com. Since our last episode dropped, we are now on Spotify. Which is amazing and Which very exciting. Which is now very exciting. You can find us on Podbean, which was our original host for this show. Yep. We are on Stitcher Radio and we are also on SoundCloud. Yep. Um, so give us a, a give us listen, a like, give follow. us a like, give us a follow. Um, tweet us. Instagram us, email us with your thoughts on Into the Woods. Is there anything you think 
uh, I should know that wasn't covered? Mm -hmm. Do you agree with me? Do you disagree with me? Are you one of those people that gave it a one-star review on release? Yeah. And let us know your thoughts on Newsies. Am I going to enjoy it based on the comparison of a two-star for Joseph or a four-star for Into the Woods? I hope you enjoy it. And I hope you enjoyed listening to this podcast. Yes, thank you so much. Have a wonderful Musical Monday.